Hello, 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 and welcome to the podcast. This is a Kingdom Revival podcast, and tonight we're going to be talking about building your church. And obviously, um, the the idea uh, comes from just a long uh, line of... Uh, thought processes, a lot of thinking about the structure of churches right now and how they aren't operating, in my opinion, into the mandate, the calling, um, even the process of what they're meant for. When we begin to look at the Bible as not a blueprint for all of life, but a letter from the creator to us we start to um, see you know the ministry of Jesus we see the life of Jesus played out in uh, fellowship uh, walking alongside people that didn't look like him being in fellowship with people that were marginalized the ones that were cast out and I believe we're coming into a time where those who are cast out are going to be called back into the inner folds of creating solutions for worship spaces. And, you know, to that degree, to that manner, I guess I would say many worship spaces have come under the paradigms that create an apathy a sense of misidentity misappropriated identity and um, I think most importantly um, many feel as if the point of what we're supposed to be doing here on earth which is uh, helping to heal helping to love helping to bring restoration to the spaces we occupy those things have been left on the back burner I recently started thinking about evangelism and uh, the evangelion um, and all that means simply is somebody who shares a message somebody who would share a message of good news and the word comes from um from the Greek um, and uh, the, obviously the, the Romans used it and um, basically they would proclaim good news they would say hail Caesar they would go through the towns and they would talk about the battles they would talk about what had been done on behalf of the Republic and they would share this good news in like fashion we uh, are supposed to be sharing good news about a way of life that helps you untether from the things of this world that are pulling us down. Um, talked about it many times, but there are those paradigms which create for us mind traps and uh, soul strongholds. 
There are certain systems that eat away at the fabric of people that create systems that call forth uh, subjugation and control. And um, these days they look different, but you can see the economic um, pay scales compared to socioeconomic statuses. And you can see that there are things at work that still keep people in bondage. Now, with that understanding and knowledge, um, you can see everyone around you as a potential harbor of the Spirit of God. Everyone is created with purposes and mandates and callings to help restore the things, the places, the people they come in contact with. This is... um, a God-given right. And it's something that we see play out um, with all people, all walks of life. You see people uh, going forth, putting their voice out on behalf of others. Uh, You see people doing good deeds. And what's interesting is a lot of these people we see doing good deeds and doing the things that are kingdom things they don't even go to church they have no intuition to go to church they have no uh, need because the churches that we see are operating outside of the alignment of the of the Godhead and so it's an interesting thing to think about I guess Uh, how can people in general break away from old paradigms which keep us from operating at our highest capacity Uh, more specifically when I talk about uh, evangelism you talk about um, this process of sharing a word of encouragement sharing about um Jesus Christ sharing about his love and sharing about his sacrifice made on the cross Um, that's good news for some people but for some people it leads to other questions of who is this Jesus and how is he connected to this church which I see as inept whether or not people have been to church, um, you know, if you've, you know, most people have attended church at least once or twice, you know, um, the prior generations made us go to church now, so now we have a choice, and um, there's so many different options for attending worship spaces, places where people fellowship, people um, uh, look for uh, spiritual um, higher ground, right? What we as as a people that are supposed to be sharing this faith, what we don't understand is that this um, the sharing of good news is uh, is a life process, and it's not something that some people are good at, or some people are supposed to do, and other people are you know not gifted at it or whatever. Um, it is a gift, you know. We can say that right off the bat, it's a gift. But more importantly, it's a mandate. And um, 
I think there's some things that uh, foundationally have happened in our worship spaces which call us away from um, sharing with people um, testimonies, sharing with people uh, the things that you know God has done in our life, um, and I think that it's become an option. It it became an option in my life for many years, and it's not until recently that I've seen. Um, the need to just share with people there's a hope, you know. Even if I don't mention Jesus, even if I don't mention God, the Creator, Yahweh, Yeshua Mashiach, Adonai, or, um, you know, Kadesh Ruach, the Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, those things don't have to be mentioned for me to share the good news, right? A part of our life gets lived out in an incarnational process. Meaning, the way we treat cashiers, the way we talk to our kids in public, the way we do things at home as well. Those are all uh, carriers of this message of hope, right? There's a different way to live. There's a different way to handle anxieties, pressures of uh, joblessness or pressures of relationship. There's a way to peace. Most of what occurs in that salvation type of uh, relationship, that sanctification relationship, is just an operation of peace. So when we operate in peace, trusting that things will work out for the greater good, trusting that um, our Father in Heaven does love us, He has good plans for us, um, trusting that His plan is the same for others who know Him or don't know Him, right? Understanding all of this, it goes into this process of spiritual farming. Um, you know, we're planting seeds of truth. And whether or not people come to know God or come to know Christ, the, the job, um, the task has been done when we operate out of an abundance of love in creating spaces wherever we're at of harmony, peace, and love. These occurrences happen outside of the church, in the church, in office buildings, workout spaces like gyms. You know, they're everywhere. These opportunities are everywhere. They come with a hello, how are you doing? They follow up with, hey, I might be praying for you. Or how is this going, you know, next time you see them? The point is that there's no um, one interaction that is more important than the other. And in fact, um, there's about 7.6 times that somebody has to hear about the gospel, hear about the love of God, to where they will make some sort of decision as to how they're going to live out their life. Now, whether or not they make that decision, make that choice, whatever it might be, the process has begun and you've done your job. Your heart has moved towards somebody in fellowship, in relationship to water a seed, right? And, you know, this, this looks um, different for everybody, right? The context is different. There's no one way to do it. But the point of the fact, the point of the matter is that God has been wanting to do this already. 
He's been sending prophets like Martin Luther King Jr. He's been sending uh, people into the earth to pour forth truth, fresh water for the soul of man and woman. Our world is being flipped upside down. The ways of man, the laws of man have been skewed. People have been taken advantage of. We need to share that there is more. Okay. And the more that we talk about is not, you know, hey, just go to church and fall in line and do these things and everything will work out. No, this is, um, you know, take up my yoke and uh, your burden will be light. Take up the yoke of a man who lived in harmony with God. Simple as that. There's no four walls to dictate your level of relationship or engagement. There's no liturgy that says that, you know, your worship of God has to go this way or that way. There's no attendance records. There's nobody asking for your tax information to see how much you're going to tithe. Those are all church age paradigms which are dying. But what can't die is the fact that we're called to building churches, building spaces that provide a place for people to encounter the living God. The word church even has been taken out of context, and even the word church is not even a Christian word. It's a word that was um, adopted by Christians in the day to come up with a common term, a common ground for people to start to understand what the place would be. Obviously, when the first Christians started, they're worshiping and they're honoring the Lord. They did it where they knew how to do it, which is in the synagogues. It wasn't until later that uh, there was a necessity to start doing churches and homes. So, in fact, the first churches, many of the first churches were held in homes in small groups where fellowship and discipleship and, and stories, testimonies, people just sharing life, um, that would happen. If you go back to Acts 2, you notice there's that mighty cool part in there where they're praying, they're fasting, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit hits and they're all kind of um, changed, transformed into people that are speaking different languages, people that are um, uh, coming into relationship with Yeshua, uh, dropping everything, uh, turning around and moving into kingdom lifestyle, which is eternal in nature. The reason all this is important is because in building a church, we have to understand where we've come from and um, where we're going. We're not going back to square one. We're not building four walls anymore. I don't believe at least. I believe things will exist. Things will maintain. I believe churches that are um, operating now, some of them are floundering and on the brink of uh, implosion. 
but that's to be expected in this time because um, it's in my it's my opinion that the churches have not been able to fulfill their mandates because the foundational structures of the churches are um, built with um, uh, structures that are corporate in nature. Um, there are um, you know people at the top, people at the bottom, people in the middle. There's people that um, have some sort of decision-making power, and there's people that are just there just to come and see, right? Um, how does this all tie together? Well, I used evangelism as just a just a, a sort of a, a jump-off point because it's one of those things I believe has been forgotten of in the church, and it's just one of many. But I believe I believe that when something that integral to um, the the mandate or the calling of people who call themselves Christians, um, when that mandate is secondary or third or fourth on the list behind programs and behind um, um, making sure people tithe, for instance, or making sure people just have you know places to go hang out, right? Those those are all good and gravy, but what are we changing in our communities if we're not interacting with the people that are around us? Not much, right? What has happened is that we have Christian communities that are culturally Christian and they're not actually operating in any sort of Christ-like uh, formation of, of, you know, of growth. They're um, there because um they feel they need to be, right? But there's no intentionality in what they're doing, right? We're learning about this thing and this scripture, and we're learning about the love of God, and we're theologically sound in the fact that we're not going to hell, for instance, right? There's no hell in the Bible, by the way. And, you know, we, we make it fit our lifestyle and make it fit our pace of life. And at the end of the day, we're not out and about in the streets, you know, doing our thing, whatever it is, just walking, just doing life and understanding that there's an incarnational living out of this thing that we're, you know, there's a way that we're supposed to be treating the people we come in contact with. They're supposed to think, man, that guy or that woman, man, there's something different about that person. So nice, so sweet, right? That's a part of evangelism. We get away from that, I believe, because our churches are structured in such a way to where they're built um, on a, a platform. They're built with uh, branding. They're built with uh, sort of a organi- organizational um, structure, not based on the community, but based on the denomination or the power structure they're part of. And it seems to be that we we plug and play. We we put in the right things to make the quote unquote church run, but the people that are part of those churches are getting tired of not being used, not being led into uh, growth. Um, a lot of people are seeing the futility in the way in which we've been doing church. It's been more about the building, more about 
the running of the church and the, the you know the keeping it going type of uh, you know uh, mentality. It's been all all about that, and less about how are we going to change or how are we going to change our, our outer communities? How are we going to change our own community? Because we're not as engaged as we should be. We're engaged more in politics, in one side of politics, one side of the coin, or the other, than we are about understanding what's going on and why people are fed up and why we need restoration. You know, the scripture talks about the fact that all of earth, all of creation, not just earth, but all of creation, that means the cosmos, the stars, the sun, the moon, uh, even the trees, are awaiting a time where the sons of God, the, the sons and daughters of God, actually step into their role and um, help uh, creation create, right? This might sound crazy, but we're supposed to be going to the stars. We're supposed to be um, talking to our angels. We're supposed to be uh, listening to heaven and seeing what it is we might be doing um, in that season that'll bring people into a, a knowledge or truth of who God really is. Um, those are those are just small things to think of, but when we when we put all it together. What happens is we have built a church where nobody is really being changed by the truth of Yahweh or Yeshua. What we're more being changed by is um, things that create behavioral or outer structures, um, which don't do anything for our inner world and our inner spiritual worlds. Um, there there comes a notion from the top down if you're in the right church structure that says that you too are a leader you too have gifts and you will be built or um, uh, you will be um, given the opportunity to move into a deeper oneness with the Lord and then out of that be changed in such a way that you um, want to help others make changes in their life if that's necessary if they're things that are out of order or if they're just suffering they're depressed they're anxious they're living in fear you know we can't reach those people if that's not a part of our mission you know it's not a part of our evangelistic mission um, we can't do that if most of our churches are built on a traditional single pastor or, or congregation-led church where we're just looking at winning souls. We're just looking at, hey, doing the job, get it done. And once it's done, say, okay, come over here with us and be like us. Look and watch and imitate. That takes out, a, out of the picture a lot of things. I've, you know, first off, the people that we come in contact with are not just numbers. Um, and on top of that, the people we come in contact with might not fit um, every little criteria that we put out before them. And I think there's something that we miss as well is that we were in that same position as one point in time, you know. Um, and just as we were in that position and looking and searching, others are too. So building your church um, starts with understanding what is your building, right? There are different types of um, 
groups that we can move towards. Um, you know, as I said before, we're, we're moving into a time where churches and small groups are going to be more prevalent than big, um, you know, brick, brick and mortar churches. And the people of God are going to have to figure out how to become leaders of small groups of people. Um, the groups might look different. You know, some might be just straight up, you know, discipleship, you know, how to grow in Christ, how to go out and live, live it out and help other people live it out. There are groups where, um, you know, you have AA, NA. Those are affinity groups where people come together with one common goal, you know, whether it's addiction or, um, um, or their, you know, moms groups, dad groups, whatever, young people groups. You know, those are all types of groups. But one thing they have in common are um, leaders that think theologically. They're um, they're risk takers, but they're also ethical. And they're aware of themselves. They're aware of the fact that they need to be nurturing servants or they're aware of the fact that they um, are not good organizationally. Um, those things come into to context when we're talking about, you know, when you move from evangelism, when you share the gospel, when you share the love of Christ, when you share the perspective of heaven and God, right? The next step is to invite people into sanctification. And that's, you know, just, it, it's a one-on-one -on -one thing, but we missed it for many years. We thought that the end game was just to get people saved, right? Can't be that way, though, right? We're supposed to be helping people come into these types of communities. And our communities, likewise, are supposed to be places of safety, right? Where people from all walks of life can hear about the gospel whether they're not even Christians or not they can just some people just love to hear wisdom right all those things come into play and we have to start asking ourselves how are we building others up as well right we're sharing the word we're sharing who God is but we're not sharing about fellowship and building community building other people right um you know, the three main um, parts to a small group. Obviously, there's the leader group. There's the leader, two leaders, a leader, whatever. Um, and then there are people that help fill other roles. You know, it's not a one-man show. So there's people that are there to learn and grow and maybe apprentice. And there's people there that, that help with hospitality. There's people that give rides, right? I mean, so many things that happen within these small groups. These are, these are fellows, functional fellowship groups where... Um, People are learning together, growing together, learning how to be more aware of what God's doing and learning how to be um, less tied into the things that um, are part of our lower selves, our, our selves that are more carnal. Um, all this to say, when we get at the end of the day, what it means is that building a church is about creating discipleship opportunities and then on top of that if you know prompted it's building fellowship opportunities and fellowship spaces where there's worship of Yahweh there's prayer there's reading uh, scriptures like the Torah the Pentateuch or 
um, to Tanakh. And we understand that the goal is to get people connected with other people that find um, their paradigm of life similar or the same. There's something that happens when new converts or new people to the faith um, get to understand fellowship in such a way. So whether it's um, a small group or a home church, the principles are the same. The people are, are there to spread love. The people are always there to help others grow. And people are there to help people um, stay in accountability, right? With lifestyles that are positive. So when you put it all together, you have evangelized, you've shared your life with people, you found people like you, and you want to meet daily, have coffee, enjoy, uh, you know, encounters in the heavenly realms together, and you want to build something that foundationally at its core is about sharing the love of God. If we're sharing the love of God in any of those contexts, then we're building the church. Now, obviously it's easier said than done. It's not something that happens overnight. But I'll encourage you with the understanding that this is something that Jesus did many times over. Um, talking to people, healing people, um, praying for them. That's evangelism. And then fulfilling the law, fulfilling um, just what was um, promised to people in this generation. It's um, it's interesting. So we're living in interesting times. Churches operating more like churches, meaning they're not inside four walls. They're learning how to become priests in their own home. They're talking about the goodness of God. And that is infectious. When people get to know who God is, part of all, apart from all the other malarkey, and system sabotage at the end of the day we are a people we are a community uh, a sent community that's here for the empowerment of others so we, we can't take any of this lightly this is um, a now situation it's a now situation because people need to know how to treat one another. They need to know how to love people from different backgrounds. And um, I just believe we need to trust the Lord.
in this process where he's building up people, building up these spaces, and creating a revolution of sorts. There's almost no excuse now, you know. It's almost as if, like, you know, look, come to church. You can go on a podcast, go online, watch it on YouTube. Just just come to some church. But, you know, that's not the gist of it. That's not the all of it, I guess. The rest of it is, hey, they have everything in common. Uh, they break bread. They sing songs. They pray to the God of the universe. These are all um, things to consider. This is not a knock on Christianity. Um, it's a critique. And what I see is a need to ramp things up. We've been dormant, sleeping, imbibing ourselves on the world like Babylonians. We've been looking at what should be ours. We've been looking at having small groups that look like the people we like, building cliques, building strictly fellowship circles without the understanding that people need to grow spiritually, need to understand the theology behind eternal life and life to the full in John 10, 10. Those are all important. But people can't do that if they don't see that modeled out. And so building the church obviously starts with good leadership, but it also starts with creating a covenant. Meaning there's guidelines, roles, and regulations for people to follow. You know, it's like, you know, show up on time. Um, you know, do the homework, read the scripture, read the book, whatever it is. But just be engaged, right? And that's where I'm at. I want people to be more engaged in the process of their lives. It's either easier said than done. But the incarnational life says that everything that I touch, everything that I look at, everything that I think about, it's got to honor God. It's got to honor Him. So we wrap up with just the, the freeing fact that, look, we're all moving towards this goal of being like Christ. You know, it might trip some of you out, but, you know, there's some operations, some spiritual operations that come as a result of knowing the Father intimately. These spaces of small church, home church, cell group, discipleship group, whatever it might be, they're all spaces that point you to a loving creator who has so much more in store for you. Those spaces open up the opportunity for accountability, love, encouragement. And so they're necessary. They're necessary for people to sit across from a table and see something that might look different than them and still say, look, we want the same thing. We want love. We want love to carry, to cover the land. We want love to cover America, right? 
want love to help change the trajectory of decisions that are being made in political spheres. I'd ask that you guys start to pray, ask for divine appointments and divine encounters of who might be in your circles that might just need extra love, word of encouragement. I invite the rest of you to start envisioning what small church might look like for you. There are um, no right ways to do it. It um, it just starts with making sure that everybody is on board, especially the you know the the leaders, that they are aware of their strengths, their weaknesses, but they're not timid, and they're doing things that stretch them. What's interesting is that these leaders, right, they have skills. These skills go into helping create a nurturing space. Understanding group dynamics, logistics, um, even testimony time, right? Preparing for future growth. Those are all things that are necessary for you once you've evangelized and brought people into your home and shared a meal. There's that ask. Is they look? Do you want to walk with me in this? Do you want to talk about life, your marriage, your kids, your job? Do you want to put a trusting, loving paradigm over it, which honors God and His love for us? In some ways, building the church is building us, building leaders to actually carry out the mandates that we've been called to. And no point in time were we ever called to just let other people share about what God has done in our life. And so that's my charge to you guys. Besides coming up with visions and ideas of what home group you'd like to lead, you know, whether it's cell group, small group, affinity group, um, special needs groups, whatever it might be. Those are things that have to be answered by the leaders. And once you have that in mind, a vision or a common goal, start to fill in the blanks and ask the Lord, hey, who am I going to ask to be in this? You know, friends, family, relatives, coworkers, right? People you can walk with naturally. And out of that, you have this process of gaining ground with understanding curriculum, right? What to study. What's important for your own stage of life? How are you going to build yourself? How are you going to build your temple? How are you going to help others come into your space and you know sit on their chairs of authority once realized? These are exciting times. These are exciting times where people are starting to understand there's a different way. And we don't have to go with status quo. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for participating and being a part of what I do. It's really encouraging. So until I see you guys next time, we'll pick up. We're going to not just build churches, but we're also going to um, rebuild hearts. 
we'll follow up with this uh, this type of podcast another time and um, God bless <laughs>